You're listening to the Outstanding Life Podcast with your host, Johnny D, the motivational cowboy. 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 As a motivational speaker, Johnny D impacts audiences around the world with his message of living the outstanding life. He's a best-selling author, MC, and two-time Grammy-considered artist. This podcast is a place where Johnny D can introduce you to his outstanding friends and share funny, interesting, and heart-provoking stories. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle up. Here comes your host, Johnny D. This episode is fueled by Stephen Becker and Susan Richardson. Thank you so much for your donation. Today's show is about love, faith, prayer, endurance, hope, tears, joy, victory, and the strength of family. From the brink of death to the top levels of racing, a recovery story scripted by the hands of God. All right, we got Jimmy on the line right now. I can't see him, but I can hear him. Jimmy, what's going on? (laughs) That's not, that's not always a bad thing. And I was just telling everybody, Jimmy, I mean, and it happened in a sprint car back in uh, October 13th, 2004. Walk us through, uh, one, the accident. Uh, right before the accident, though, What I, at what age did you get your start in racing? Um, I started racing uh, the big block dirt modified um, up at Sharon Speedway yep. when I was 15. Um, my dad has raced those you know, since I was born, and I was just kind of, uh, natural step to get into those, and then I raced those for a couple years, and then um, jumped into the sprint cars. 2004 was my first year in the sprint cars, and um, actually, you know, had had some success. We, we were having fun and, and running well, and um, it was the USAC race down at Charlotte, or at the dirt track at Lowe's. And um, what happened? I caught a rut in the track and uh, flipped up into the fence, and then uh, in one of the flips, the the top of the roll cage was ripped off the car. And my head hit the pole in the fence. Wow. So my injuries didn't come from, like, the whiplash, like so many people, like Dylan Hart and some other people did. Mine came from, like, my head hitting it and compressing everything downward. Wow. So I um, I, was, I, was, I was in a coma. I have... Um, so I was just I telling everybody, they, they expected you to be in the hospital after the accident. We're looking at pictures right now of the accident. Okay. And, I mean, literally, there's nothing there of of the car. Um, no. they, they estimated that you were going to be in the hospital for at least six months. Dude, yeah. And that's, that's just, they, if I made it through, they said they, they gave me a 5% chance to live that night. Wow. And yeah. And then, uh, by the grace of God, I, I walked out and I, six weeks, maybe I forgot. I forget it's how many seven weeks. weeks. It was, yeah. It was seven, seven weeks. weeks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what you were talking about? Um, I mean, like literally the car was hanging on the fence. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. your, 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 you know, your body was just limp laying there. This is what's, um, so awesome. While you in the car was hanging on the catch fence, your mother saw mm-hmm. Jesus and Mary holding yeah. you. Yep. And that's, um, I get chills. That, that, I get chills thinking yeah. about it. Um, obviously you are, um, a faith based, uh, family. Absolutely. In person, mm-hmm. and, and and that and that all by itself is is wonderful. Um, walk us through uh, what you remember, or now your family telling you about. Obviously, you don't remember the crash. Um, no, huh? I, I remember a little bit about that day. Um, my first last good memory is the night before. Uh, Chris, my friend who helped us on the car, him and I flew down to Charlotte the night before, 
And I remember going to the gas station to get some uh, get some pop that night. And um, yeah, after that, um, I'm kind of blank. I remember a little bit. I think because people tell me I went to the uh, gas station with my mom right before the race, and um, I kind of remember that. But I think it should more just people told me that's what happened. But then uh, after that, I'm blank. Um, I'm blank for a month and a week later, and that was my birthday. And um, I had some friends come down to the hospital um, or to the rehab to see me on my birthday. And, um, yeah, if you want to have a crazy birthday party, the rehab center is the way to go. <laughs> but, um, Jimmy. They, uh, they, and so I don't know if I remembered more before that, because every day was the same. So I don't know if I remembered more from, you know, before that, or if that was like my first actual memory. I'm not, I'm not real sure. Right, right. I remember uh, being on stage with you for years, you know, interviewing you at the uh, Chevy mm-hmm. um, stage. And you always said, Johnny, it, it's so cool to be able to have this accident because now uh, when when people say, dude, what's your problem? Do you have brain damage? And you're, you're like, absolutely, I I do. Yeah. And, 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 that, and that's something that you used to joke around about, about not um, – you know, just having some people, funds with it, you know, and, and having people, having an excuse. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the issue is, people started realizing what I was doing. Um, like, if I if I didn't want to pay attention to somebody when they were talking, um, I could just tell them I forgot or I don't remember, <laughs> and I didn't have to really pay attention. But uh, now that people have kind of picked up on what I'm, you know, what I've done, right, right. And uh, my, I thought it worked well because my my wife didn't know me, or we knew of each other a little bit before I got hurt, but. Um, I didn't really hang out with her till afterwards. Now. So I used that excuse a lot so she realized what I was doing. And then it got me in trouble. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. I mean, after that accident, two years later, and that was um, two years later, it was 2006, you, you, you said to your parents, hey, listen, man, I, I want to get back in the race car. I want to go mm-hmm. back racing. And you went and you started working out again. You started doing all the right things, and you got cleared by the doctors to start racing again. I mean, what was mm-hmm. in your mind? What's inside of a race car driver? What's inside of a man that wants to get back into a race car after literally you almost die? They gave you 5% yeah. chance to live, and you want to get back into a race car and go... Nobody's ever said race car drivers are that smart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, um, that's how I tell everybody. Once the race is in your blood, it doesn't matter how hard you get hit in the head, it's not coming out. Yeah. But, um, the I had I had the physical stuff and I and I went to sleep and all, but I didn't have the men, the emotional and the mental side of like the, actually seeing the accident. So I was on the easier side of it on, on, in that perspective. So I was able to just get back to living life. Like that's the life I knew beforehand. Yeah. So I thought that's the way life was supposed to be. So I just kind of went back to doing that. That's unbelievable. And what was it like when you went to your parents, and, and especially your mom? I mean, because your dad obviously got it, because your dad was yeah. a racer mm-hmm. himself. But what was it like telling your mother, hey, mom, I want to get back in the race car? Because I remember uh, her telling me a story that um, as soon as you got out of out of the coma, the first thing you said to your mother was, hey, I got to get the heck out of here. I got to race next weekend. Yeah, yep. I mean, that yep, was the and, first uh, thing you were able to whisper to your mother was, I want to get, I got to get out of here. I got to go racing. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that just, you know, it never really left me because that was just life, you know. And I think yeah. mom kind of had an idea right then about what I was going to try to do. But, um, yeah, when, I, when I, I told her, I don't exactly remember the moment that I told her that and that, but I imagine there was a beer getting cracked right when I said that. <laughs> I was trying to drink it away. Well, but, and, um, and you jumped right back into it, too, man. I mean, you, you jumped mm-hmm. right into the big block modifieds. 
you know, um, and, and you spent a half year doing that. Yeah, and that kind of, like I said, that Dad was still doing that, so it kind of made sense for me. And um, we're real good friends with uh, Dave, Dave Blaney. Yep. Uh, he owns Sharon Speedway, so I was able to get up there and make some laps and just get back to feeling good again. And uh, yeah. it, it all actually... It all came back. It was it was kind of surprising. It took the first couple laps slow, and then it then it came back a lot quicker than I than I planned on it doing. Yeah, yeah. So so um, right, you know, you said your dad's a racer, and they, mm-hmm. did you guys race together? I got a, just a quick question. Get, getting off the accident for a minute. Did you ever race mm-hmm. against your father? We did. Uh, I did. I ran um, the first couple years in the modifieds before I jumped to the sprint cars, and then um, actually after I when I got hurt, I ran with him again, and then. When I came back from being down south, I raced with him again. So. What, what was that like if, if you beat your dad that, that night? I mean, that didn't I, happen very I, often. <laughs> dad was one of the good guys. That didn't happen very often. <laughs> um, the fun, a funny story was um, I was leading the race, and Dad was running second, and he moved me. And uh, it wasn't anything major. He just moved me, and he won the race. I finished second. I don't think Mom talked to him for a couple weeks. He was mad as could be. But no, it was good because like after being down south and that, um, learning a lot of stuff down there, uh, him and I were a lot more competitive and the racing side by side and that. So it's fun. Like he's he's just another person when you're out there. But at the same time, like when you're beside him, he's just another person. But then you know if I was behind him and he's running somebody down, I was, I was looking after him, cheering that way for him. But um, yeah, once you get to racing, it's uh, he's just anybody else. Outside of racing, what what does Jimmy Weller like to do? Um, not now. I'm honest, talking. I'm, I'm talking about back then when when you were racing every weekend. Oh, okay. Because um, I I know your story is completely different these days, and we're going to talk yeah, a little bit about that later. Hmm. Um. To be honest, anything I could do to be outside. I um. I, I like golfing. Um. To be outside, I like you know being out in the woods. I, it's funny. I like cutting grass. I like just being <laughs> outside and relaxing and um, anything that kind of like that. You know, hanging out with friends at the time. I, I was 18. Yeah. So I was I was in you know I was enjoying life there, hanging out with friends, and um, racing was always the main thing for me. You know, it always went back to racing. Now, are are you one of those guys that it didn't matter what you were racing, you just wanted to race? Was everything you did did it have to be fast? Yeah, it did, and it just um, it didn't matter. Like I said, it didn't matter what it was, and you know, it was asphalt or dirt. Um, I haven't gotten in some cars, you know, on the dirt side that. Uh, I ran from a friend one time that probably wasn't the safest thing, but it was it was a ride, and I enjoyed it. I, I always told everybody I wanted to make a living racing. Uh, the Cup Series was the goal, you know, because that's being the highest form, you know, in the states like that. Yep. But um, um, if I was racing sprint cars, modified, it didn't matter. I was I was going to be having fun racing. And and after the accident, you got into the Truck Series. Uh, you did some mm-hmm. Xfinity racing. What's it like, Jimmy? I mean, a lot of us that um, are listening to you right now, we don't know what it's like to go 200 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Will you explain to me and the listeners right now what it's like to get inside of a race car and hit speeds of over 200 miles per hour and not think about what you dealt with when you were 18 years old? Uh, yeah, it, it's... Um... Like the the bigger tracks, what on the speed and wise net, you you have time to think about things. Like you you don't really feel the speed when you're on the bigger tracks, unless you kind of catch something out of corner of your eye and then you realize how fast you're really going. Right. The smaller tracks, the, the things are happening a lot faster. That's when you kind of feel how quick you're going. Um, but uh, just to like climbing into a car and and knowing that's how fast you're going. I mean, you 
you pull your belts tight and you do everything you can and you say a prayer and you go have fun. So it's, you can't, um, you can never look at the bad because that's like when you start being more cautious. And I think that's when bad things happen. So, yeah. um, it's an experience that, you know, and I feel bad that nobody, you know, not everybody gets to do it. Um, took my wife down to Charlotte and let her do the, uh, uh Richard, Richard Petty deal. So yeah. she got to experience that. So it's, um, you know, just so people can understand, you know, she can understand what life was and people can understand that it's, a completely different deal, but it's uh, it's more fun than anything you know I've ever done. So. I I did the same thing. I I wanted to after so many years of interviewing you drivers, I wanted to experience what it's like to be in a in a race car, and I did the Richard Petty experience, um, and I just did the ride along, um, mm-hmm. and I did the I think ten laps or whatever it was at uh, Daytona. And I tell you what, I got out of the car realizing what I don't want to do and realizing what I love doing. And that is just talking to you guys and you girls about racing because uh, it, it's definitely a different experience of, you know, I mean, you were right up against the wall at almost 200 miles per mm-hmm. hour. You were up against the wall at over 200 miles per hour. I can't even imagine um, what it's like to be in the race car, the race truck. And, you know, having a spotter, somebody in your ear. Were you always one of those guys that liked a lot of chatter and a lot of information in your ear? Yeah, it didn't, that didn't bother me. Because um, a lot of times, like when, like especially on dirt stuff, when you when you get into a rhythm and start doing well, I'd sing to myself. I'd, uh, you know, I'd, I'd do different things. So, like, the more um, talk I heard, actually, the more it helped me concentrate. Because I, I wasn't, um, you know, your mind couldn't wander that way, so you're kind of concentrating a little bit more. Explain to but, us how you get into a rhythm at go at hitting speeds of 150, 160, 170, 180 miles per hour. How do you get into a um, rhythm? It, it, it's just kind of like timing wise, and, and you know sometimes it's the sound of the car. Other times it's just kind of hitting the same mark every time on the racetrack. Um, you know, the, the, you drive a dirt car different than you do a, an asphalt car, but right. you're still looking at your different spots and just kind of feeling and a lot yeah a lot of it has to do with feel too when you kind of feel the car do this you can kind of you know make it you know start to do one thing with it so um there's just a lot of feel but then when you get in that rhythm and you're hitting the same lap every time it's uh and you're just kind of driving like you don't have to really think about something you know so, so hard you just kind of start reacting that's when it's uh that's when you know you're going good that so is there a difference between going 150 miles per hour and 200 at what point i guess i guess what i'm asking you at what point do you know you're going fast um, to be honest, the, like on the big racetracks on Daytona and that, um, you don't really get a sense of speed because everybody's going the same speed, the same direction. Okay. Until you, until you catch something. Like I caught something out of the corner of my eye that was up against the wall and, I, and then you realize how bad that was going to hurt. <laughs> you, you knew how fast you were going. Um, but like some of the smaller tracks where you actually really said you're racing back and forth and, um, you kind of get the, the feeling that way. Yeah. But. When you when you're going around Daytona and you're catching things out of the corner of your eye, it's, it's one thing to be on the track, just looking at the track. When you're seeing things in the infield, seeing things in the stands, like that at the corner of your eye, that's when you can really feel the speed. Wow, that's pretty cool, Jimmy. You know, you, you're just such a nice young man. I have to ask: Are you the same, or were you the same guy inside the race car as you were outside the race car, or did uh, you turn into a different person? <laughs> uh, for the most part. Um, I, I, I was a lot. I was a lot more serious in the car, um, but at the same time, if I had fun, that's when we ran well. Right. If I wasn't having fun, then you know it. I, I, the thing kind of showed, um, just because like when I got relaxed in that. But um, 
they, you know, I've done things where I didn't appreciate somebody else doing something that probably wasn't the nicest of things to do in a car. But um, for the most part, I think I didn't. Don't think I made too many enemies. You know, a, a question came in on social media today, and this and, and this was so cool. Um, and I, and I had I had to ask you, being a race car driver, when you took and got your permit and you got you went and got your license, did you actually pass the test the first time? I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. And um, yeah, I, I took that pretty seriously because there's a lot of pressure there. I mean, if you're doing this and that's what you like to do, there's pressure on it. If you don't, you know, if you have to go back to school the next day and say you didn't pass, right? <laughs> you took that. You take that pretty seriously, mm-hmm. Jimmy. You know, um, the la- the last couple of days, going through video, going through pictures um, of you in the race truck, in the race cars. What was your most memorable moment in NASCAR? Um. It, to be honest, it was we we ran. I think we, we finished ninth at Daytona in the truck our first time there. Yep. And you know you're proud to see, for you to do it, but you're proud to see whatever and, and to see how proud my dad was. That that was the that was probably the coolest thing. That you know get the handshake and hug it afterwards. This this is kind of see how proud he was of it, and knowing that everything that we worked for. You know, it was it was all coming true that way. So that was uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I know how how close you are to your family because I know that every time you were able to come out and I was able to do an interview with you, if it wasn't both of your parents with you, it was at least your mother. And and, and let's talk a little bit about your mother right now because after all of this. I'll never forget how excited she was when she told me that she was going to write a book about mm-hmm. what happened to you. Um, yep. You know, it's called Race Again by um, Ronnie Weller. And what was it like for you? I mean, obviously you were you were in a coma for two weeks. You you weren't there, like, you know what I mean, mentally and physically because you, you, were, you were in a coma. But what was it mm-hmm. like for you to relive – her writing the book. To to be honest, I, I learned stuff from the book. I yeah. um, like you said, I, I was asleep for a lot of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I learned some stuff that went on. I learned more of what she felt, just because I, I, I don't. She wouldn't tell me that just because she don't make make me feel bad, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I learned a lot, and I learned how hard it was on everybody. It was again, it was harder on everybody else being around it than it was on me because I went to sleep, <laughs> you know, where they. They had to go through all that, and to see your son do that, um, I, and I fully, you know, I, I don't know if I fully understood it until having, you know, Ellie having a baby of my own. Now, yep. now you're starting to understand that a lot more, you know. So yeah. it's um, now now it kind of puts things into perspective. Well, one thing, I mean, you you did start remembering when you were in rehab and stuff. I mean, you had to learn how to talk again, you had to learn how to yeah. walk again, and stuff like that. Was racing your motivation to get back to being able to just walk and talk? To do the things that, that that we take for granted, like eating by yourself. I mean, you couldn't even do yeah, a lot you know, of these things. You couldn't do it yourself. No, huh? And um, I really couldn't. And it was, but yeah, that was something that that's what I wanted to do. And um, I felt like nothing was going to stop me in getting back. And, and having that, you know, and, and brought me through the hard times. And you know, my faith in God, and knowing that I can get back through this. You know, yeah. and um, that was. Yeah, I think everybody when they're going through a hard time, if you have something to really work for, I think that helps. Yeah, and you know, obviously having the support and you know, the parent, my parents being there, also my brother was my brother was awesome to me. He kind of became the big brother. <laughs> right. But, um, 
um, I mean, he would he'd, he'd be the one to give him. I don't. I got there, I got you know, feeling a little better because I don't know if I'd be doing that. That's that's gonna hurt. Yeah. <laughs> um, really took care of me that way. But um, yeah, that having that drive to get back in there—that's what I wanted to do, and that, and that's what I knew what to do. So that was uh, that kind of kept me going. You know, if if, if you don't believe in God. Um, and I'm not I'm not here to preach or anything else, but I mean, guys, if you don't mind, um, Angel Dave, bring up the uh, picture again of his race car. If you could flip through, you know, a couple of those photos again of his race car. Um, if you don't believe in God, and you, I mean, when you look at the at your accident, um, and you look at that car. I'm looking at a picture right now. It's hanging in the catch fence. Your your body's limp and, and, and you know just hanging there. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you to get back to church? How I know how much God means to you. What did it mean for that you was, to be able to get back into church? That was really special to me. And you know, it's um, just for one, just being there. And, and it was cool because in the hospital they had a, a priest that come every Sunday and talk to you and give you communion. Yeah, and um, that that that's important. I mean, that, that makes that helped me know that I'm getting better and. But, you know, no matter, I think I even told my mom this, you know, after this, and no matter, no matter what, Mom, I was doing what I love, and I, and I was going to be okay. If I didn't make it, I, I was going to be okay. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was really, and, you know, one of the memories I have from coming back home was the first time I got to walk up to communion at church. I'd oh, been wow. uh, in a wheelchair. You know, Mom had to help me. Or somebody had to push me. And then, um, but the one time I, I told my mom, I said, no, this is, this is how I'm going to walk, so. I can still picture the people's faces seeing me walk up there the first time. It was a uh, pretty, pretty special feeling. Yeah. And knowing where I was, you know, that he, that God was the one that brought me to where I was, was uh, it, it was pretty amazing. Jimmy, um, you know, you're married now to Katie, and mm-hmm. uh, you have a little baby girl. Yes, sir. Things mm-hmm. changed. Yeah, man, Things have changed, really my friend. Have. <laughs> Things Went have... from, you know, racing being life. To not racing, getting married, and having a daughter. I mean, it's the three probably biggest things I could have had happen happened, you know, pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, no, that is, that is so cool, man. I know that um, it. Was, I, I know that things have changed when when you say, Johnny, I would love to do your show. I would love to do it, you know, in a couple days with you. But I got to ask my wife first. <laughs> yeah, we um, when I, when I go home after work, she um, you know, she either if, if Ellie's sleeping. Um, I'll hang out with her, and then uh, Katie will go work and do the donkey stuff. You know, take care of the animals. Wait, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait! <laughs> Did you just say you have donkeys? Yes, sir. Yeah, we got uh, four miniature donkeys, and then uh, five chickens running around. So uh, we had more chickens, but we, we've we've lost a couple. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, you know, you were saying earlier that you know you're really starting to understand more and more. And I and and I I got to be honest with you, my whole life changed when when I had a daughter 28 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, it really does change your life. Um, if your daughter comes to you in the next four or five years and says, Dad, I want to start racing, what I'm are gonna, you going to say to your daughter? I'm going to try to keep that part of my life away from her. What would Katie say? Yeah, um, I think she'd do the same. <laughs> but, uh, you, you'd get no, her into golf or we, something, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. That's like, I, I actually had race, it was kind of funny. I had racing on the one day, and Ellie started watching it. So I heard up and turned golf on. I didn't want to screw her up from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I love no, it. No, I, I, you know, um, I always thought that'd be cool if if she wanted the race, uh, or you know, if I had, you know, whatever child we had with one of the race. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not going to push anything for that. It's whatever she whatever she wants to do. I kind of. Uh, 
kind of and Katie's the same way. If she wants to get in a race car, um, that when Katie wasn't really around racing a whole lot, so I don't know if that'd be her first first choice, but um, she, she'd be all about it too. Jimmy, in the in the last episode, you ended the episode with saying, you know, how cool it was to get through all the rehab that you had to do to you know learn how to eat again, walk again, drink mm-hmm. again, doing all those things. But one of the biggest highlights of the rehab was was getting back to church. Yes, sir. Uh, mm-hmm. go, getting back up to to be able to get up and, and, and get communion for the first time by yourself, mm-hmm. uh, not having the priest bring it to your bedside. Um, yep. Talk a little bit about your faith and and how powerful it is. Was it something that was always with you, or was it something that that um, you really found God after um, the accident? I mean, you're well, only 18 girl. years old. Mm-hmm. Grow, growing up, um, you know, faith was always important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my parents, you know, instilled that on me uh, when I was little, and, and learning about God and um, being part of the church. Yeah. But it never, I, again, I was still young enough to where I, I don't know if I fully understood things in that, and I, and I still don't. But, um, you know, getting hurt and knowing that he's the reason, that God's the reason I'm here, I mean, that that, that changes your life. Um, you don't miss church. I, I don't miss church. Um it's been really hard with um, the you know the virus going around to where you know we weren't allowed to go to church. Um, but we found a church on the computer that we, we watched every week. Yep. And um, yeah, that, that was important, very important for us. We're still with the virus. We weren't able to get Ellie baptized just yet, but now we're we're we have that planned out. So um, it, it's going to be cool to watch her grow up and as well, and hopefully you know instill the faith in her that. Um, I think that's the right word. Still, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, absolutely. Uh, that, you know, my parents did for us, or for me and my brother. That is so cool. Um, you know, we talked about like heroes and stuff like that. People that you looked up to in the racing business, besides besides your your dad, and mm-hmm. that was Dave Blaney. Is that right? Now, did you like him because of the dirt racing? Did you like him because of the NASCAR stuff? Why was it Dave Blaney? Um, you know. When you have mentors, the first thing you always say is your family. But then it was always mm-hmm. Dave Blaney. Yeah, when um, growing up, he was um, well. He was from right where I'm from, and we, you know he raced the Sharon Speedway there. Um, his dad, Lou Blaney, was one of the best in modifieds probably ever. I mean, okay. especially in our area, he was the man. And I grew up with him and Dave because Dave was already out traveling when I was really starting to get into things. Um, but no, Dave was, I liked him from the dirt cars. He ran a sprint car, and that was my dream. And he went from sprint car to the Cup Series. So that was my, that was my, you know, my all-out dream was to do that. So, right. um, and, and being around his family and that, and, and Dave, you know, Dave helped me get to where I was. He was the, um, he was the one that moved me down to, uh, to North Carolina. I worked out of his shop. Um, when I first moved down, I actually lived in the race truck in the shop parking lot for a while. And Wait, then, you uh, lived in a truck? Yeah, yeah, well, I, I say truck to add, you know, add some, because uh, that's the sound cooler, but it was, uh, it was like a little motorhome deal, so, I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't hurting by any means, like, I wasn't roughing it, but I like to say truck right. just to make it sound better for the story, but, um, no, but, you know, so I lived in the shop park, we worked out of his shop, and then when the truck would actually come back home during the winter to, um, to get maintenance and that, I'd live in the hotel for a little bit, then I'd, then I'd stay at his house, so he's, uh, he kind of, like I said, he took me under his wing and really helped. And it teach me things there. I learned the racing side, the driving side. I learned the business side from him. So, uh, and he, you know, he was just back. He was up here sharing this past weekend. So, you know, still great friends with my family. Um, cool getting to hang out with them, and you know, even being friends with Ryan and 
um, you know, stuff they've done for us. Like we, my my wife's brother and I, we started a charity uh, back in 2018 called Beacon of the Valley. Yep. It helps kids 12 and under in the Shenango Valley or the Moaning Valley, which is you know our area here. And um, and that's Ohio, right? Friends. Ohio, yep. yep. So we go Trumbull County and Mahoning County in Ohio, and then Mercer County in Pennsylvania, because we're, we're right on the border. Okay. And um, we got some friends, um, Michael Della Quadre, Chris Chalky, Emily Henderson, or Hendershot. Oh, almost said that was, I get yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> Annie and uh, Chad Wagner. We all kind of got together and, um, you know, put this charity. And, and our big event for this year was we had uh, Night with the Racers at uh, Yankee Lake. We had a couple local bands play. Um, actually, the fellow that was trying to help me get my computer going, his band played. They did an awesome job. But then um, Ryan and Dave came up to sign autographs. Wow. And uh, it, it was on their dime. They wouldn't let me pay them back. You know, they wouldn't let the charity pay them back. They, they came over because they wanted to do it. And uh, we, we raised or we, we cleared 20000 that night. So Isn't it, was, it so uh, awesome when you see families like that, Jimmy, and, and yours is just like that, um, but when you see, you know, Ryan's at, at, at the, in a top-notch car right now, uh, mm-hmm. he has the the fame and fortune and everything else, and his dad, and but they still never forget where they come from. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. And and you and your family are just that way as well. Um, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. No, and, and and I know that how how important charity is, and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, mm-hmm. You you love being you love telling your story about um, the racing and about overcoming obstacles and stuff like that. If somebody's listening right now, Jimmy, that um, you know they have an obstacle in front of them. Maybe it wasn't a a you know a, a race car accident. Um, whatever it is, what advice could you give them? Um, my first my first thing would be you know the faith. Um, God brought me through it. He'll bring you through it. You know, there's nothing that you can't do with him. He's there with you through it all. Um, and then the second thing is, is as cliche that is to say is not give up and always strive for that. You know, see yourself getting better and working for it. Um, you know, everybody, you know, I, I had the physical, you know, the, the injuries and that, and then some of the mental stuff that came with it. Yeah. But, I mean, there's people that go through hard times all the time. Family members are sick, dying, um, you know, loss of job, anything um, all the hard things that people are going through, and um, I said, never losing faith in God, and, and you know, trying to you know, never giving up yourself. That that's you know, on the personal side, that's the biggest thing is not giving up. And yep, and you know, it's a ride for everybody, but try to have fun when you can and, and enjoy it. As, you know, and just kind of look for the future. And you know, speaking of having a little bit of fun with you, something that um, you know, you've done your own public speaking and stuff like that. I know that. Um, you know, you've done a lot of, um, you know, things like that. And people don't realize that when you are a NASCAR driver, there's other things that go on. There's a business behind it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And and there's things that you have to go and do. And that is, you know, there's, there's Q&As. There's times that you have to get up in front of people. Um, mm-hmm. You, you loved being able to, to go and, and tell your story. I, I'm just, this is from one motivational speaker to another. What was it like the first time you got out of your your fire suit, you put on regular clothes, and you got up in front of 50, 100 people, 500 people to tell your story? <laughs> um, yeah, actually, you, you kind of helped me through it. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we always had fun together talking back and forth, and, and, and that's, that's important. Yeah. You know, being able to 
talk with the, or, you know, communicate with the person and not just, you know, some people just ask you questions and then they ask you one thing, you give an answer, and then they go on to the next. But, right. You know, we kind of converse back and forth. I mean, the, the first time, you know, Daytona was my first time doing this. And uh, I was kind of not so much nervous, but I didn't know what to expect. You know, right. we, we went up there and there was a lot of people there. Uh, yeah. At the Chevy stage, I mean, and you got me talking about the time I peed myself in a race car. <laughs> I mean, it was, uh, you know, making people laugh in that to where it's, uh, I enjoy that. You know, we, we always had a good time together. We're looking at a picture of me and you on stage at Daytona right now that I, so it's, it's <laughs> mm-hmm. really kind of cool. And speaking of that, um, somebody obviously just heard you say that because I just got a note and it says, Ask him if he ever went to the bathroom in his fire suit during a race. So obviously, <laughs> Jimmy, you know the, uh, the the people watching, the people listening right now, they're not all NASCAR fans. Mm-hmm. So explain to people that have never done this, never maybe even seen a race, but when you are in a race car, race truck for two, three hours. And you had a little bit too much water to drink that day. <laughs> what happens to a a racer when they have to go to the bathroom? It's not like you can pull out onto pit road, hop out of the car, go to the restroom, come back and jump back in your car and go finish the race. Yeah. Explain well, to you, listeners what happens, Jimmy. You you have to make a choice. You have to look at how you're how you're running. And if you have a chance to win, you do all you can to hold it. <laughs> yeah. But if if, you, if there's no chance to win, then you know the, you you got to make it. You know you, you got to do it. It's um we were at Concord in a late model race and um, <laughs> wait a second, Jimmy. Me, what what do you mean you have to just do it? You, you, you just go. <laughs> you just go. You go to the. So what what you're saying is, Jimmy, you go to the bathroom in your fire suit. Yes. Um, you know, not very many people admit that. And if the people said they've never done it, they're lying to you. <laughs> you know? Like local racing and that, no, because, you know, it takes, you know, the, the 20 laps, 30 laps, something like that doesn't take right. that. But on the, you know, the asphalt side and that, it takes a long time. And um, normally you sweat it out. Normally it's not that bad. But, um, yeah, we, like we were at Concord and there was a real long yellow, or I'm sorry, red flag. They actually tore some of the fence down with one of the uh, wrecks. And, uh, I remember telling the guys, you know, on his race, said, man, I, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm in trouble. And uh, the one guy started laughing. He said, yeah, you are. You're in trouble. And a couple minutes later, I said, nope, I'm good. <laughs> and, uh, they, I had to go back up home that weekend. And, and when I came back on Monday, there was a uh, box of diapers sitting on the car when I got back. Nice. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, you know, another thing that, you know, we, we talked a little bit about charity and stuff like that. But another thing that you always liked to do, and that is going to the like children's hospitals and stuff like that, being able mm-hmm. to give back. What is, what was it like for you to be, you know, 20 years old, 21 years old, being at the, you know, the highest level of NASCAR but to be able to give back, being able to walk into a hospital full of sick kids in your fire suit and have some fun with them. It, it, was, it was an awesome feeling. I mean, you, we were all blessed to be able to do that, you know, go, yeah. go race and have fun and live our lives that way. And there's so many kids that can't. And um, to be able to go out and do that and, and bring up, you know, bring their spirits up a little bit. I mean, when you walk into a place and people recognize you and, and they have big smiles on your face. Yeah. Um, I remember there was... Um, the Children's Hospital in Charlotte, and I always say it wrong. It's either Levin's, Levine's. I, I always say it wrong. But I went there for uh, um, like an appearance deal, and you know, just 
they have like their own little radio st- uh, thing set up in the hospital, and I was I was dancing with the kids in that, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, they get to kind of see them enjoy that for a little bit, knowing that they have to go back to I mean, go through all the stuff that that I'll never experience or get to really, or hopefully, you know what I mean? That right. I've, um, that they the stuff that they have to go through, and um, you just kind of pray that they they can enjoy it, to, you know, enjoy life, and but that it's an awesome experience just to be able to see them light up and. When you shake their hand, is how excited they get. And it's a pretty cool deal. That's so awesome. So, so you know, you're you're not racing, right, at all anymore. No, no. Uh-uh. The racing, no. you you literally hung up your helmet. Yep. Yeah. I, um, the doctor down in Charlotte that originally let me race, uh, he he told me it was time to be done. And um, this was back in 2017, I think. Jimmy, and, what was that uh, like? And, and 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 listen, man. I'm not trying to be negative here, um, but I mean, mm-hmm. what was it like when when you work your whole life doing what you what you loved to do, mm-hmm. and the doctor tells you, "Listen, kid, you're done. You're done racing." Mm-hmm. Was that something that you're like, "No, I'm going to keep doing. I'm not going to listen to the doctor," or was it like, "Okay, cool. I I have to start doing something else now." Uh, to be honest, I, I didn't. It didn't hit me that hard. I um, feel like when I, when I originally got the okay to do it, you know, I prayed that whatever the doctor said, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And um, when he said I could race, awesome. I was I was thrilled. But then you know, the same prayer went on again. And then when he told me that, it, it, it you know it changed life. It changed everything completely. But um, at the same time, he 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 brought up a pretty good argument. He said, you know, you know, do you like racing or do you like walking? Right. <laughs> and I, so it's all tough. I said, I really like racing, but I love to walk. And yeah. uh, now, you know, I, I have a friend that uh, he has a real bad back and he had a hard time picking up his kids because of his back. And, you know, like now thinking, I didn't obviously think this at the time, but like now, you know, having Ellie and that, um, to not be able to do that would have been a real tough deal. So um, it kind of like, it's just more reassurance that I, that I made the right decision. So what's Jimmy Weller doing now? I mean, I know you're, you you got married, you have a baby and stuff like that, but what are you doing for work these days? Uh, I'm back here working at Liberty Steel Industries. Okay. Um, it's a family company, and um, we, we do we do steel stamping, and we're also a service center. So we make um, uh, like bumpers on Freightliner trucks. Yeah. We make a lot of bumpers. We make the grill surrounds. Um, oh, so a it's a stamping of, plant as well? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow, That's that just brought the, back memories. I, I I did a I worked for a stamping company in Detroit. I was eighteen or nineteen years old. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad said, "If you, um, if you quit college, this is what you're going to be doing." And he put and I'm like, "Well, I'm not going to go to college for the summer." He goes, "Okay, fine. Then you're going to work here." And he put me to work at a stamping plant. And I'll tell you mm-hmm. what, I went back to college. I mean, that was oh, one yeah. of the hardest jobs I've ever done. I mean, that that's tough. So you're and, obviously and not, not slinging steel, right? No, no. And that's um, one thing, like, before I got hurt, I was working in the shop and doing things that um, we were, like, when Liberty Steel, um, the service center side of it, I was helping on that. And then when I got hurt, I, I couldn't do a lot of the stuff anymore. They didn't want me doing that. Right. So, um, but, I, but I agree with what you said. I mean, there's guys out there that, are, you know, some of the parts are 70 pounds. And they're yeah. flinging them around all the time and heating that. Um, they 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 deserve a lot of credit. They do an awesome job. But um, you know they, and, and it's cool. Like because we, you know, you become friends with everybody. Everybody here is friends. Um, you know, my dad's, uh, you know, in charge of a lot of it, and you know, he he's friends with everybody. So it's kind of it, it sounds cliche, sound like a big family and that, but everybody you know sticks up for each other and looks out for each other. So it's it's a uh, really cool place to work. So Jimmy Weller works a nine to five. Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. 
Jimmy Weller got married, has a baby, has donkeys and chickens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, then... Uh, you sound re- to to retired that. already, right? I'm sorry? <laughs> you sound retired. My There's a lot more gray in my hair than there ever was. <laughs> and, and I tell my wife that, that, you know, like even like in the beard, it's starting to come in a little bit. So I make sure she um, lets you know that I didn't have this beforehand. <laughs> but, I love it. I love it. But... But I enjoy that. I enjoy, I enjoy working. It's weird. I enjoy that. And um, like now I'm involved with um, an air filter company called Excel Air Filters. Okay. Uh, Todd Schaefer, uh, he drove for Bobby Daughter as well, um, about the same time I was in a truck series. And um, he came up with this uh, air filter. It's, it's an awesome idea. It's the only residential air filter um, that actually kills viruses. Like oh, wow. You have a spray inside it that actually kills a virus. So like the coronavirus, um, and it, it'll kill the COVID-19. It kills the flu. I mean, it, it, it'll even kill HIV. It, it, it's an awesome thing. Wait uh, a second. So, so, so it's an air filter mm-hmm. that, that goes into a residential yes. mm-hmm. house. Yep. And it, um, yeah. So then, um, so whatever comes through it, it kills the different viruses and stuff. Yep. Yes, sir. There's, um, we, it's actually, we have an oil in it as well as, uh, patented. And what it does is it, it catches the, um, it's like an oil, like a sticky oil. Okay. It catches the particles going through. But then we also have a spray in it as well that kills the viruses. So, um, like, we, and originally wow. we, we started a couple years ago, and it was tough to get going because these cost a little bit more. Right. And we're not jacking the price up. It just it costs more to make. Right, absolutely. And um, now that the COVID-19 is going on in that, I mean, it, it's an it's, you know, it can help people, and um, I'm not. That's, that's not a sales pitch. You know, and um, no, I, I just think it's kind of cool that you went from race car driver to scientist. Now, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I um, like Todd and I were talking about it, and I was helping him with some marketing stuff, and um, I became the vice president of the company. I knew nothing about air filters at the time. Yeah, but, um, you know, I learned a lot, and uh, it said what he did was awesome. So, um, as of next week, you'll be able to find them on Menards.com. Nice we'll be for sale on there, and. Um, you know, the price on Menards is shipping included. We worked a good deal for shipping in that. So, um, yeah, well, that's exciting, it's, it's, it's man. So people, now you're an so. entrepreneur as well. Yep, and I, and I enjoy this. I enjoy the business side and working deals and, and trying to get things put together that way. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. So that's really cool. So I, I, I got to ask, and, and I know that you're not doing it right now, but uh, because none of us are at least um, – the whole speaking business, you know, for me, I mean, I went from 257 mm-hmm. days being booked this year to nothing, but is, tough, it, is, yeah. it, is that something that you want to get back into? Because with, with only a couple minutes left, I want people to understand that you're, that you want to tell your story. You want to, you know, go to churches and, and, and corporations Absolutely. and stuff like that and, and, and tell your story. Yeah. And you know, I, I feel that's one of the reasons God saved me is to be able to go out there and show His love and, and show what He did for me, yeah. and let everyone know that He He do the same for them. Um, so yeah, I, I would be happy to. I with with the racing deal, I was actually doing a lot of it, and you know, getting to travel around and talking to different kids in that, and uh, different, you know, even different adult different adult venues. But yep. um, recently, I've, I've kind of um, I've gotten away from that, not on purpose, just with other things going on. But I'd love to. You know, if there's any opportunity that I'd love to come, you know, talk with them and um, just, just try to uh, tell my story and help anyone I can. And Jimmy, what, how can people get a hold of you? Are you are you on social media? Can are you on Facebook? I mean, do you have a fan page? Do you have a regular page? How can people find you to be able to get a hold of you if they want um, you to come? The best way would just 
would be on Facebook and just my name, Jimmy Weller. Um, we had a racing one on there, but um, it's still on there. But I, I don't, um, I don't really check anymore. It's been a couple of years since okay. I've really gotten on there. But yeah, um, and if, if you send me a message on there and, and tell me you heard on the show here, um, I'll get back to you. And um, yeah, that, that'd probably be the best way to do it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that is so cool. And again, it's just Jimmy Weller. Um, that, mm-hmm. that that is so neat. Um, with just a couple of minutes left, is there anything else that you want to let the people listening know about you, Jimmy? Like, what's 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 something about Jimmy that we don't know? Because um, we've talked a lot, a, a lot. I mean, are you are you a guy, guy that likes to, you know, um, sing karaoke and stuff like that? Are you? Do you, do you like, <laughs> yeah, play yeah, instruments I, I don't know and if stuff you like heard that? Me at Talladega that weekend. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's how they boulevard. I kind of let, yeah. I just, oh, you let your hair down but, on the boulevard, huh? Yeah, exactly right. Yes, sir. No, I, uh, <laughs> I enjoy that stuff. I'm, I like having fun, and I like being around different people, and, and you know, different people in general, and um, just having fun and enjoying life. But that's that's one thing, you know. I always used to say no worries until I got hurt, you know, before I got hurt, and then after I got hurt, like it really no worries. I mean, you know, things are gonna come and go and, and some are going to be tough but no worries and you just kind of kept the faith in God and I and I enjoy life now I enjoy everything that kind of comes along I'm able to see the good in it and have fun do you actually take time off on the weekends or are you uh, a, are you a workaholic no um yeah I, I stay busy on the weekends but a lot of it you know is around the house and with the animals and that and uh, okay, I got to keep up with my wife she could she can outwork me <laughs> um, I love that I, I, I'm not going to let her listen to this part there just because I just said that. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so and now like now getting to hang out with Ellie and that, um, like I said, just sitting out on the front um, front patio kind of deal and, and just hanging out with her and that that's relaxing and that that's that's more fun than I said earlier. This race was the most fun I've ever done, but hanging out with Ellie and the wife and that that's uh, having a child changes everything. So that's. Uh, that's my main priority in life, and that's that's what brings me the most joy right now. Jimmy, what's one lesson that you took from NASCAR and you brought to your now new life outside of racing with your wife and your daughter? Um, I think it kind of goes back to the having fun. Yeah. Um, you know, NASCAR there's there's so much pressure, right. and um, <laughs> people don't realize I mean, that. It, it's it's a job. It's it's an awesome job, and you know it's the best job that I could think of. But it's a job. Yep. And um, so you you, you got to have fun, and um, that's kind of the same thing at home. And um, you know, with my wife Ellie, we have fun. I mean, and Ellie's laughing all the time, so I think we're doing a good job with her. I uh, I think she's happy, so uh, you know, she laughs a lot, and she's always in a good mood. So hopefully, we kind of keep that going, and uh, just just enjoying it. Well, listen, man, tell your wife. And your daughter, thank you for letting you stay at work an extra hour to hang out with us here. <laughs> I, I got to thank you because everybody's leaving on or coming in on a second shift now. It makes me look like I've really been, you know, putting in the hours. So I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, everybody, Jimmy, I can't thank you enough. And it is we got to wrap things up. I can't believe it's another fifty minutes gone already. Again, that is Jimmy Weller. You can find him on Facebook at Jimmy Weller. Thanks for listening to the Outstanding Life Podcast. Follow Johnny D on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Motivational Cowboy. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, advertise, or would like to make a donation, please visit MotivationalCowboy.com. And remember to have an outstanding day.